Hey, well, it's Youth Sunday, y'all. Look forward to that every year, maybe more than y'all do. But um, before we dive right in, let me just welcome back the Ghana team. Where's the Ghana team? I see that hand. That's good. You'll be hearing more about uh, the results of their scouting trip uh, next week whenever Pastor Steve is back in the saddle preaching. So, well, um, because today is Youth Sunday, you might think, you might expect to hear a sermon on spiritual lessons that we can learn through playing dodgeball or, or, or fasting for the glory of God by eating only pizza and Cheetos, which I have tried that. God was not glorified in that. But we, uh, we don't want to make the mistake, as a lot of churches do, where they take the, uh, they think of the students and the student ministry as, oh, yeah, they're that little side act. They get, the, they get to come up once a year, and we entertain, you know, we, we put up with them, let them do a little dog and pony show. And I tell you what, we've been preaching through the vision and the mission elements of this church, experience, grow, and serve. And let me tell you what, if, unless you've had your head under the sand, the youth of this church, they know how to serve. They know how to serve. And today we're talking about fervent servants. And I thought, you know what? Who better sometimes to lead the charge than the young ones? It has shown that they not only lead here, oftentimes in the church by serving, but they also do it on the mission field. And so since we're talking about service today, I thought what a great opportunity to showcase a few elements um, of our mission trip. In case you haven't heard, a bunch of us went to eastern Kentucky. We came back alive, and we served our hearts out there. So I could tell you about it, but instead, uh, let's watch a video. It's more entertaining. If you want to roll that, that would be great.
As you, as you can see, it was uh, all work and no play at all. Um, you're allowed to actually have work, do hard work, and have fun, which we did. So I want to make sure that I get photo credit and video production credit to Lydia Ripley, who put that video together for us. Thank you, Lydia. And of course, uh, the, the trip, which was an amazing success, wouldn't happen without some of the volunteers that went. So we have uh, Captain Corb Batten right there. Thank you, Corb. Yeah, Jason Manning, wherever Jason is. Uh, Lori and Buffy, Brad Wynn, I don't know if Brad's here. Oh, there's Brad. Yeah, with his upside down shirt. So thank you guys so much for helping uh, to complete that sweet recipe of a trip. Um, hey, yeah. Oh, and Brian. Uh, did Brian, did you go? Did you go? That's right, Brian was there. I always have to have the spotlight, Brian. Oh, we love Brian. Um, a few weeks ago, when we were working through the elements of our mission and vision, um, we had talked about uh, a week of compassion. And in that, we highlighted uh, the Pennock family, namely Eli Pennock, and then we brought uh, his adoptive parents, Susie and Scott, up uh, for a tear-jerking tear interview. And for as amazing as that story was and is, and it totally is, I wanted to be uh, quick to uh, remind everybody that you don't have to, uh, you don't have to adopt someone in need in order to be compassionate. Likewise, you don't have to go on a mission trip in order to serve. Well, that's a great idea, and we'll have plenty of opportunities for you to do that. But, uh, but service, which starts right here at home. Um, to, to, to paraphrase a famous poem from Elizabeth Barrett Browning, Oh Lord, how may I serve thee? Let me count the ways. There are so many, and if you have, if you have lost count, we can, uh, we can put some of those opportunities on your radar today before we go. Um, let me just say this before we move on to our top five list for the day. The, just the word serving comes, you know, biblically means to help or to wait on tables. They even use that, that phrase in Acts chapter 6 when the gospel is taking off. But the gospel was slower to take off because there are so many needs. The widows were being overlooked. And so they, they inaugurated Stephen and the deacons to come and serve, roll up their sleeves and serve. When they did that, uh, in Acts 6, uh, Luke goes on to say how the gospel spread rapidly. And so um, it's interesting now because when we think of the gospel and we think of service, uh, it's taken kind of a turn over the years. There was a group of folks, liberal folks, back in the early 20th century that started singing that was known as the social gospel which they thought, well, we can just build the kingdom of God through our good works. And you know what? If we don't mention Jesus, eh, that's all right. That might just be a little add-on. 
And then we have the ultra-conservative folks who had the big tent meeting and revivals, and they would just proclaim the gospel, but they would do no service. And so what I just love about KPC is that we understand that it's not either or, but what? It's both and, that the gospel is full of good works and the proclamation. And so as we talk about service today, it is in that context because as we have the, the gospel road that is being paved, there are holes which represent need. And so we're looking for fervent servants to come along and fill those holes so people don't fall in them. You know, we're, we're paving a road. We need to get rid of the holes and not create them. So fervent servants, they're here to serve in his name and for his glory. And so today we have five things that you should know about fervent servants. Because I know we have some here. You know who some of them are. But there's the inner fervent servant in a lot of you that we'd like to call out and unlock. And we hope that that, uh, that happens today. So anyhow, I'm not, fortunately for you all, I'm not going it alone today. We are doing, um, I don't know the last time KPC got a tag team sermon, but we're doing that today. So in honor of you Sunday, I'm going to tag team my message today with one of my theological heroes. Um, he is someone that uh, many of you know. He's uh, one of the great crossfire leaders. The high school and middle school boys love him. Uh, if you don't know Jake Soto, not only would he give you the shirt off his back, but if you asked him, he would give you the kidney out of the bottom of his back. So, Jake, take us through the first one, brother. I could be left to say yes. Hi, friends. So, like Mark said, my name is Jacob Soto. I am a junior at Regent University, and I'm studying theology. And about a year ago, I learned that I'm absolutely terrible at making lemonade. The story goes like this. Every year, Mark hosts an a informational meeting for all of the rising seventh graders so they can learn more about Crossfire, they can meet some of the volunteers, and meet Mark. And while we were setting up, I realized that there was a jug that was supposed to be filled with lemonade that was empty. So out of the goodness of my heart, I decided to go and make it. So I went to the kitchen and there was some mix and I decided, you know, I could eyeball it. How hard can it be to make lemonade? So I kind of put some in and I begin to stir it. And then I go to serve it and I put it out on the table. And I learned a very, very valuable lesson. Read the instructions. It is, it was hands down the worst lemonade you can imagine. Everybody knew it. Everybody was talking about it, and everybody knew it was my fault. <laughs> and Mark actually, the next day, decided to take this lemonade, put it in the office for all the staff people labeled, free bad lemonade. <laughs> so, now I'm sure some of people are confused as to what bad lemonade could possibly have to do with our topic of serving, but here it is. In the story I just told you, I forgot how important it is to read the instructions if I want to make good lemonade. And in the same way, or excuse me, unlike me, fervent servants never forget the most important that they come out and serve, which is our first point. So let's begin. Matthew 20, 28 says that the Son of Man did not come to serve, or, excuse me, to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Elsewhere in the Bible, in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, which is up there now, uh, it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same attitude and mind of Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, 
he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a human being. He humbled himself by becoming obedient and even unto death. So what both of these verses begin to point us to is the idea that the most important that we should be serving is because Christ first served us. Now, that is very similar to the concept found in 1 John 4 that says we love because he first loved us. And what both of these teach us is that God is always the initiator. We cannot love unless he loves us, and we cannot serve unless he has first served us. Uh, and it also talks about how anything we do and when we're serving, how the glory should always be going to God first. We are called to be imitators in Christ in everything that we do and in every area of life, which includes serving. And luckily for us, Jesus laid out a beautiful model of what a lifetime of serving will look like. A fervent servant ultimately serves because Christ first served us and only because Christ came and served us, do we have the ability to go out and serve, another, serve one another in that same way. So it's important as we here at KPC begin to experiment with serving that we remember the reason that we are going to serve, and it is because Christ first served us. Mark, you're it. Hey, Peg, you're in. All right, number two. The second reason, uh, the second thing you got to know about further servants is that they serve because they see holes that need to be filled. That sounds really elementary, doesn't it? They serve because they see holes that need to be filled. So let's think simply here. Servants are not servants unless there is a need to serve, unless there is somebody to serve. Servants just aren't self-proclaimed and just... Uh, it's kind of like um, Barney Fife, you know, who just sits around with a the, with the bullet in his gun that he never uses, right? And so uh, it, there's no need for a physician, right, if there's no sickness. And so my point is that um, as we look for places to serve, we have to open our eyes to see, first of all, the needs that are around us. How many of you ever read the book Experiencing God? Anyone go through that years ago? So some of those books just stick with you, and one of the primary driving uh, theses of that book is the fact that you, instead of deciding, hmm, where am I going to go serve? I'm going to go just make it up. I'm going to see where it best fits me. The great premise of this, as Jake was saying, God always takes the initiation. You go and you find out where the Spirit of God is already moving, and then you go there and jump in the pool of activity. Don't try to stir it up yourself. The Lord is already moving. So find out where He's moving and jump in there. Um, the Scriptures bear this out, that the, that the God's that God's Spirit moves wherever there is need. If you look at the, the life of Christ, where there was sickness, disease, poverty, ignorance, hunger, bondage, demon possession, pain, you name it, those are all holes of need. Jesus came along to fill and to meet those needs. That's where he was always hanging out. Not always where there was plenty. And Paul and the apostles, they were sent to places where there was no church presence. And let me just tell you, if there is an area of the world that doesn't have a church presence, that, my friends, is the greatest need, first and foremost. In fact, Paul was open. He's like, Lord, where should I go? And then during the night, it says in Acts 16, Paul had a vision of, from a man from Macedonia that was begging him, Paul, come over to Macedonia and help us. There's a huge hole over here. So Paul grabbed his metaphorical, his spiritual shovel, and they head over there to Macedonia to meet those needs. 
So here's the, <coughs> excuse me, here's the thing about Christians filling the holes of need. Can I just be real for a minute? We often want to fill those holes on our terms. Can I get an amen or an oh me? All right. According to our convenience schedules or according to our comfort zones. It'd be like this. You know, we have a great food pantry here. Great, 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 great ministry. Uh, it'd be like me coming up to the food pantry and say, listen, I know y'all are closed on Fridays, but listen, I, I have off on Fridays, so it would work really well for me. Uh, I don't know what y'all do here, but I like to paint and I like to preach. So if you guys could open on Friday, and so, I, so it would be a showcase for my gifts, that would be really awesome. You guys would be really blessed. You know, and people like Phil Drake, which are like, uh, no. You know, the need is what it is. We don't make the need bend to us. We bend to meet those needs. Sometimes that's easy, and sometimes that's not so easy. See, servants are here to meet the need as it exists, and they're required to do whatever is required of them to meet uh, that need or fill that particular hole. Let's go to the next slide here. Here's the difference between lackluster servants and fervent servants. Lackluster servants selectively see the holes of need, and they find the time to serve, you know, and the energy to serve, whereas fervent servants, they open their eyes to the needs at hand and make time and energy to serve. You all know there's a big difference between finding time and making time, and that's the difference between uh, lackluster servants and fervent servants. We often wait, let me just say this, we often wait, and this is a very valid point, we often wait for those who are gifted to take the lead in service. And I think that's a good thing, because there's some folks in here that are amazingly gifted, all right? In fact, there's not a whole lot of them in here because they're out serving right now, but could we just give a huge KPC applause to the deacons? Let's show that next slide. Look, there are the deacons. All hail the deacons. These guys are nuts, but they're serving, in fact, Jake. If we could award the Golden Shovel Award to the, to the deacons, are there any deacons here, deacons wise? Are they even present? Carl? Yes, Carl, would you go hand that to Carl? And on behalf, would you, would you accept that, that award that is not official in any way, shape, or form? But just a metaphor, uh, yes, please do. Would you pass that on to them? Because we so appreciate what you all do. In fact, you can't, even some of the sons of deacons, like, you know, Scott Pennick works like a horse. And so uh, if you ever got in the way of Evan, his son, you might lose an arm if you get in the way of him serving. It could be over for you because he has a serving machine. Um, if you all looked out here uh, next to the church, David Pennick is, uh, do you see that construction going on? He is building a long overdue fire pit for the entire church. It's part of his Eagle Scout project. He's serving here and we all get to be beneficiaries of it. So David, thank you. He's actually, you know, let me just say too, he's, he's doing this as the Eagle Scout project. He's raising money. So if you guys would like to donate to that, just go on his web, on his um, Facebook page or Scott's, any of the Penix, and they would, they would show you how you can give generously to that cause because we're all going to be beneficiaries of it. But I love it whenever people that are gifted, you read in 1 Corinthians 12, um, Romans 12, it talks that there are people that are gifted in the church to take the lead to meet these needs and to fill these holes. And so it's amazing we should let them do that. But you know what? That is not always the case. Sometimes we need to fill a need with what we got. Even if we don't have the passions and the skills of a deacon, like myself, uh, we have to just come to the table and develop the passion and the skills along the way. Sometimes it's not, it's not always a perfect fit, right? Um, but here's a good point. How many of you are currently not working in your dream job? Can I see your hands? 
All right, that's like the wave, like almost everyone in the church. That'd be like you saying, you know what? I'm just going to not work at all until my dream job comes along. Whenever that comes along, then, then I'll jump on. You know, it's ridiculous. Who would do that? Nobody, everybody would be starving. No one could pay bills. You, the opportunities that God presents itself in different seasons, that's where you dive in and you give your all. Amen. Miles Smith says this. We all have something to offer, and we must choose to focus on what we do have to offer, not what we don't. And remember that dirty little secret is that those who are acting like they have it all together, they really don't. So, amen. So we're just all in our brokenness and our giftedness. We all come together to fill these holes. That, my friends, is number two. Jake, you're up. All right. A little low. Let's go down low there. Sorry. All right. So the third thing that we're going to learn about fervent servants today is that they check their motives. Now, checking your motives is honestly something that applies to everything that you do. You should always be asking the question of why you're doing what you're doing and what your real goal is from doing it. And this becomes all the more important when it comes to serving because serving should never be about me. It should never be about us. Now, uh, oh, so it should never make, and we also, yeah, hmm. It is also never to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. Now, there's nothing wrong with feeling good after serving because naturally you will. It's good for you. But if it becomes the sole focus to feel good, it becomes uh, a problem. Because when we serve, again, it is ultimately for the benefit of others, it is for the benefit of the gospel, and it is to the glory of God. Colossians 3, 23 and 4 says, Whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Now, that also leaves us with an interesting question of if my motives are not 100% pure, does that mean that I cannot serve? I've got a story. So, for the first... 14 years of my life, I was incredibly shy. I uh, didn't really like people, didn't like being in front of people, didn't like talking to people. But it all began to change when I started attending Oak Tree Academy uh, in ninth grade. And at the, it was the end of the year, and one of the ladies who worked in the front office uh, had gotten a new job offer and was going to be transitioning out of, that, of her job at Oak Tree uh, and leaving. And I was bored one day in study hall, and I got this genius idea that I was going to go and autograph a picture of myself and give it to her as a joke going away gift. So fortunately for me, we had just had our school pictures taken, and my mom, who teaches at the school, had them in her classroom. So I ran to her room, cut one out, threw my autograph on it, and gave it to her and said like a little a silly goodbye. I then went back to the study hall, snickering and laughing at myself because it was hilarious. <laughs> and about five minutes later, that same lady came walking out of her office crying and gave me this huge hug because it had meant so much to her. So if you can imagine, I was a little bit in shock. I was trying to, you know, accept it and be like, okay, yeah, you're welcome. But in the back of my head, I'm like, no, that was supposed to be funny. Um, <laughs> but I learned something else there, that what I intended as a joke, God intended and used to bless someone else. And that's not completely unheard of in the Bible either. In Philippians 1, Paul writes, uh, in response to some false teaching, he writes, 
But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Now, I want to make a few things clear real quick. I'm not promoting false teaching, nor am I promoting impure motives. But what I am saying is that God can use it. Further, God meets you where you are. So that means that you don't have to wait until you're one, you don't have to wait until you feel like you're doing it only for God to get out and serve. But rather, go out and serve so that your motives can be made pure through God's transforming grace. I'm going to say that again because I like that. <laughs> don't wait until you feel like your motives are 100%, 100% pure to get out there and serve. But go serve so that your motives can become pure through God's transforming grace. You're up, Mark. Good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Oh, man, good stuff. Number four, fervent servants realize that the way up is down. And ironically, look at, you see all the uh, Kentucky shirts here? Upside down. It's even written upside down. So you can see what they did there. And so here's the deal. This statement is a paradox. Um, you know what a paradox is? Paradox is something like this. This is one, one description. It's a comment or a concept that is seemingly self-contradictory, yet has the power to express great insight and truth. A couple examples. Um, here's a fundamental paradox in reality. Uh, I'm talking to a lot of the young adults here. Here's a, here's a paradox that a lot of us experienced. Hey, I want to get a job, but they won't hire me because I don't have experience. But I can't get experience unless I have a? Yes, but I can't get a job unless I have? Yeah. How many have been through that washing machine? All right. God's grace gets you out of that. That's when it's who you know really uh, helps break that cycle. Am I right? Um, here's an here's a example of a paradoxical question. If you replace every part of a ship, is it still the same ship? Okay. Come back to that one. Here's a paradoxical quote by Oscar Wilde. I can, I can resist anything except for temptation. All right. The Bible is full of paradox. Paradoxes are so powerful if you actually dig in there. He who tries to save his own life will what? Lose it. Give and it will be given to you. When we are weak, then we can become strong. That's right. So another biblical paradoxical term, it's not written just like this, but it is so true and evidence throughout the leaders in Scripture, is servant leadership. But Mark, isn't it true that great leaders just climb and claw their way to the top so they don't have to serve anymore? They can let all the lowly folks, they can do all the serving, but the leaders, you know, we don't serve. We get, we get so beyond that. I'm so over serving when I become a leader. Well, Jesus hit this one right on because James and John, you know, they had a you know, big Jewish mother, and so she's taking care of her boys, and she's trying to vie for their attention, make sure that they, get, they can sit at the left hand of Jesus and one at the right hand. Like, Jesus, come on, one at the left, one at the right. Let's make the kingdom great again. You know what I'm saying? Let's do that. And so Jesus, you know, looks at her and calls all of them together and says this. This is in Matthew 20. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become the greatest among you must become your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life 
as a ransom for many. That, my friends, is a paradox. So for those of you that are rising in leadership, here's a little test, all right? You want to you check your motives like Jake said? You want to check your understanding of greatness and leadership? If you are a leader or any leader you know is unwilling when the opportunity arises to do menial tasks that are considered too unimportant, too messy, too monotonous, or too unvisible, I'm telling you what, they are not a servant leader. They are a worldly leader. I'll never forget the day uh, years ago when I used to work for Geneva College outside of Pittsburgh with the home of the Steelers, by the way. Um, so, um, Jesus help them. Jesus help them. I got up at 6 o'clock in the morning to run one morning early on the campus, and I saw some dude in a big hoodie, you know, and he was picking up trash in this back parking lot. So I was like, oh, so I just ran by him, like, who's this, a homeless guy? I looked, and it was the president of the college out at 6 a.m. so nobody would see him with a hoodie on, so nobody would recognize him picking up garbage. As soon as I saw him, I told everyone, I was like, Jack White, that man, that, that one instant alone told me everything I needed to know about him and his leadership, right? Everything I needed to know validated everything he said behind a, behind a pulpit. And you know what, too? We actually have, uh, we have an actually similar story here. Did you know when uh, we were a little bit down on help when Jake was out recovering, uh, you know, the, the church work must go on. Did you know that our very own Reverend Stephen J. Keller gave up his work day to come and work for Will and slug it out here in the trenches? So just so you know, Steve, I... Uh, I There, are you happy? I said it, Steve. Are you happy? <laughs> Steve didn't even know I was going to say that today. But you see, that says so much. You have a pastor here that's like willing to just go and do work on his day off. That is pretty awesome. So anyhow, all that to say is, let me close my point with a quote from Martin Luther King, who says this, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't need to have a college degree to serve. You don't need to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. That's point number four. And number five, let's go up top this time. Boom, bam. Oh, right. we got it. <laughs> we actually failed that high five uh, in our run through earlier. So I'm really glad we hit it that time. Okay, so the fifth point of today's sermon is that Fervent servants believe that the local church is the best place to start serving. And right off the bat, I feel like there's some clarification that should happen. Uh, first of all, when I say local church, I'm not talking about this building that we're meeting in today, but rather I'm more referencing the New Testament meaning of church, which was just the body of believers. And second, I want to make sure that, I, you know, I'm not saying that church or the local church is the only place to serve but rather I'm saying that it is a great place and the best place to get started. In 1 Peter 4.10, he writes, uh, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And to put it another way, in 1 Corinthians 12, they, it says that the gifts are first and primarily for the common good, of the, of the, bleh, common good and for the building up of the church. So God has implanted within each and every one of us some sort of gift, and those gifts are primarily for use within the body first. But what good are any of these gifts if we don't have a place to use them or just choose not to use them? For example, last Christmas, Mark gave me this shovel. I know, it's a terrible gift. Um, but anyways, 
gave me the shovel and he taught me how to use it and told me that if I worked at it, I could be the greatest hole digger in the world. <laughs> so I took that and I ran with that. But after a while, I realized that I didn't have anywhere to dig. So after carrying it around, I was like, you know what? I have no use for this anymore or I don't know how to use it. So I go ahead and I put it back in a closet with all of the other terrible gifts that Mark has given me. <laughs> and I'm just kidding, Mark. Um, so in the same way, God has given us all a gift or a shovel. And if we don't go ahead and put it to use and practice digging, what's going to end up happening to the gifts? We end up putting them away, never to be seen or used again. Fortunately for everybody here, the church is a natural launching pad for learning how to serve and using your gifts. Uh, Nate Palmer says that ultimately, service begins and finds its fulfillment in the church. For if we cannot care for our own family, how can we care and serve others effectively? So what that quote talks about and, and, and paints a picture of is the first place and the easiest place to start and to get your bearings is here within the body of Christ. And once we get that and once we're good at that, we will be able to take that same type of search that we're doing with each other and we get to bring it out to the world. Isn't that cool? Uh, another cool way to look at it is in a progression like this. First, you surf in the church. You know, you take part in children's ministry, youth ministry, deacons, all that kind of stuff. And then you begin to serve through the church, which is things like our clothing ministry, short-term missions, and other things like that. And from there, we can more effectively serve outside of the church. You know, helping a neighbor move, seeing somebody that needs help with their groceries, getting them to their car, all those things that don't happen with people that you necessarily know, but happen with people that you might never see again. And as we continue to grow in serving our church family, we will not only begin to see more opportunities to serve, but we're also going to see better opportunities to serve outside of our church body. Isn't that exciting? And again, like I said, KPC, there are several outlets that we can take advantage of learning to serve in and use our gifts uh, in, then through, and eventually outside the church. And later, actually, Bethany is going to come up and highlight some of those areas. But for now, I will leave you with this, that it is simply important to remember to go and take that first step, to get out there and serve within the body so that we can grow in our service to one another and then eventually to the people that we don't know yet. Mark. All right, so there, there are the five things that all you should know about fervent servant. So how do we put a bow on this? How do we uh, wrap this up? Well, evangelist Jack Heil said this, God's people cannot be shamed into serving God. They need to be challenged. So it's all about invitation, not condemnation, right? It's a lot of you that have grown up uh, in the church, uh, if you've experienced any kind of condemnation, which is probably 99% likely at some point, um, that's just not how God operates. So we just want to do invite you to take some next steps in service into, into participating in the life of the body. Um, do you all know what the 2080 rule is? Do you hear about that? Well, here's the, here's the deal to quickly. In typical American churches, the 2080 rule is this, that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 
I don't know exactly, I didn't run that with numbers, we don't know what it's like in KPC, it's probably a little bit better than that. But, so when you have, a, when you have this kind of disparity, a 20-80 split, um, the invitation is this, there's, there, if you're part of the 80%, it's time to step up and step in to the life of the church, roll up your sleeves and serve. And for others, and this is, this is a tough one, for, for some of you 20 percenters, you, you need some margin, you probably do too much. And maybe someone can't serve because you're not letting them. And so your invitation might be to step back a little bit, to make room for the 80% to come in. Here's how I'll close with this little story, a little tidbit. Um, our own Shiloh Soto here, did you know she used to spell her name S-H-Y-L-O because she was so shy? So about five years ago, yeah, blow mine, right? So five years ago, the story goes something like this. She was leading part of the worship team, which she was so scared. She was, um, wasn't leading, she was hiding. She said hiding on the piano leading worship, all right? And, and God was kind of calling her out to do something more. And so her sister Natalie, who is, uh, you know, kind of front and center leading worship, um, right in the middle of the set, the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, put your guitar down and walk away. And so much to Shiloh's chagrin, that's exactly what she did in the middle of the song. And so Shiloh was left with the hole that had to be filled. Was she going to step up? And so she did her best from behind the piano to lead the rest of that song. So that was just the first baby step out. Three months later, she's part of the worship team, and the rest is history. So, um, it's, that's, so that's just a great example of stepping up. Speaking of next steps, um, as we close our service here, um, our next steps coordinator, isn't that a great title? Our next steps coordinator here at KPC is Ms. Bethany Metzger. Bethany, come on up. We would, be, we would be remiss. We would be remiss if we did not try to pump you up, mm, pump you up to serve, and then not give you some tracks to run on. So Bethany's going to take a moment and share with you how you can do just that, and if that's the case for you and you're ready to step up. Bethany? Thanks, Mark. Jake, that was wonderful. I've been looking so forward to hearing you, and it was wonderful. So um, as many of you know, I work here at the church. I used to work in the role of community coordinator. Um, now I'm the next steps coordinator. So if you don't know what that means, I'm that person that's going to walk with you from your first day here, that first step in the front door, to that process of deciding to become a part of our community and learning what it means to be a part of this community. For some of you that have been here for a long time, your next steps are going to be for serving, and you might not know where to start. So I'm going to go briefly over the larger categories of service that we have so you can sit and get kind of an idea of where you think the Lord might be calling you or where you just want to try or where you want to find um, or what you may want to find out more about. So if you love children, we always need help in our children's ministry. This, I've worked in the children's ministry, and those kids are so life-giving. And you, you benefit so much from spending time with them. And so if you would like to teach or support the teachers in the children's ministry, you can contact Tara Powell. She'll help you. You can get involved with student ministries with Mark. He does Crossfire and works with the short-term missions trips for the youth, and I know that he always has a place for people, or if not this year, he'd love to talk with you and train you up for next year's service. 
You can contact Buffy Lane for any outreach, and that's what Jacob was referring to. You serve in the church, through the church. We have the food pantry, the clothing closet, the Samaritan team. Some of those are under our deacons, but your first point of contact would be with Buffy. And that's a very hands-on, tangible thing for you, like hard, like acts of service, love language people. And then you can serve under Chris with discipleship. We are still looking for life group leaders that, to help launch new groups in January. Our goal is to launch four new groups, and so we still need help. So if that is something the Lord is stirring in you, maybe you're a little bit nervous, reach out to Chris. He'll talk to you. He'll either tell you, hey, it's time to jump in, or he'll say, let me train you for a little bit, and then let's look at it next year. And then you can join me in Next Steps Ministry with my ushers, greeters, and welcome desk attendants. We're the first impression of KPC, and there's so many of you that have loving hearts and kind hands and warm smiles, and you get to share that with somebody that doesn't feel at home here yet. You get to be home for people. And then we have our KPC Care Ministry. That's under Pastor Neil. He is putting together teams to go visit people who are homebound, to put together receptions for funerals when somebody in our family passes away, just to help ease the burden of that for families. So if that's something you would like to help with, please contact him. And then you can always serve on our media crew. They love to train people. They're excellent. And it'll be really encouraging if you want to learn a new skill and help be a part of the Sunday morning production here. And then last, if you just don't know what you want to do, go ahead and contact me. I would be so happy to get to know you some and maybe pray with you to find out where the Lord would have you, sir, whether it's here or in your community, what have you. We have on the sheet of paper you should have gotten from one of the ushers, a bottom section for your name and a preferred method of contact in the ministry that you're interested in. If you fill this out and put it on a basket that I'll put up at the stage or leave it at the welcome desk, I will definitely contact you either this week or next week to follow up with you to see how I can help you take your next step. Thanks, guys. So, would you receive this benediction that I craftily made just for this occasion? May the God who did not come to be served, but rather to serve, empower us all this week to express the beauty of his gospel through both works of service and the proclamation of the good news for the benefit of those in need and for the glory of the one that lacks nothing. Amen. Have a great week, y'all. Thanks for being here.